Hey, what's up, everybody? Today's episode of the Pedaling Fiction Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Lorenzotti Coffee, the ones responsible for providing you with that premium Italian coffee we all know and love that we wish we could be drinking on the Italian countryside. Thanks to COVID-19 and this pandemic, we're all stuck at home and nobody wants to go stand in front of a a Starbucks socially distanced with a mask on or going to Dunkin' Donuts and getting a a haphazardly brewed burnt cup of coffee. So go to Lorenzotti.coffee and use the promo code FICTION to get 10% off your order and they will send premium Italian roasted coffee right to your door or supply you with the professional coffee brewing equipment you need to make that perfect cup of coffee or espresso. If you are a connoisseur of coffee such as myself, or if you just enjoy the luxury of having things brought right to your door, or even if you're not a coffee lover but you know someone who is, go to lorenzotti.coffee, that's L-O-R-E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, Z as in Zebra, O-T-T-I dot coffee. Use promo code FICTION, you'll get 10% off, and if you order at least two tins of coffee, you'll get free shipping. If you want to start your morning off right with the taste of freedom, you got to go to lorenzotti.coffee. Use my promo code FICTION so they know that I sent you, and you'll get 10% off your order. All right, let's start the show. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase income. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is the Peddling Fiction Podcast, and I am your host, the one and only voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. And not only is Donald Trump the only one that can fix all of our problems, he's also been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize, <laughs> which, oh my God, would that be fantastic. Could you imagine if both Donald Trump and Barack Obama get a Nobel Peace Prize. You know, that's when when Barack Obama got the Nobel Peace Prize while whilst simultaneously engaging in like seven different wars, bombing the bejesus out of the Middle East, starving fucking children in Yemen, the the whole drone program, drone bombing an American citizen, all kinds like we've never been engaged in, in more wars at any one time than um, under the Obama and the Trump administration, I don't think, including the two longest wars in American history. And yet, you know, he gets the he gets the Nobel Peace Prize for what I, I don't understand. I still don't know to this day what they were thinking other than the fact that uh, we should give the first black president the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, it, I guess it just it really just depends on your rhetoric and 
Donald Trump, I mean, to his credit, he hasn't started any new wars. So I guess to the extent that Barack Obama deserved the Nobel Peace Prize, Donald Trump deserves one as well, I guess. And it just goes to show you how fucking worthless these Nobel Prizes are. The The worst one is probably the Nobel Prize in economics. I mean, they'll, they'll give that to just about anybody. I remember listening to like two recipients of it that they, they were doing this uh, a panel discussion or something like that. And they couldn't talk intelligently on the economy at all. It, it was like absolutely humiliating for them to be up there. They, they would ask him about the they asked them this question about like, what do you think of the, the U.S. economy overall? And they were dumbfounded. They had no it, it just got quiet. It got awkward. And this one guy's like, oh, I thought you were going to ask me about Europe. And so somebody from the audience shouts out, OK, what do you think of Europe? And he doesn't have an answer for that either. He passes the buck on to somebody else. It was comical how fucking stupid. Like, I could at least talk more intelligently on the, the problems of the economy off the top of my head than these guys could after winning a, an award for for being so good at economics and knowing going in that you're giving a you're, you're going to have to take questions on the economy. They, they had nothing to say. But anyway, the, the Nobel Peace Prize for Donald Trump would really uh, be something. I would just love to see the integrity of that prize just go to shit with Donald Trump along with everything else. I love the crumbling of all of these institutions that people hold in such high regard. Just Donald Trump just brings it all crumbling down. And if he ends up getting a Nobel Peace Prize, whew, that would really be something. And that would really stick in the craw of a lot of people. And you know how much pleasure I derive from the misery of others. <laughs> but he actually had some really interesting comments on the military as well that I'm, I want to get into a little bit today. But uh, anyway, welcome back, everybody. This is the Peddling Fiction Podcast, and we generally talk about politics and current events and some economics from a libertarian point of view. For those of you not familiar with the show, all the new listeners out there, which we are getting new listeners every day, not as many as I'd like, though. So for those of you who do listen to the show religiously, like it, share it, tell your friends about it. Let's get these numbers up. I, I really think right now is a prime time. We're, we're about two months out from the most important election of our lifetime, right? So now all of the lemmings who don't pay attention to politics or current events and economics, things like that, that actually affect their, their daily lives, they don't really pay attention to it until right about now. Now all the idiots come out of the woodwork and they actually try to form an opinion on things when they haven't been paying attention to anything for the last nine months. Now, all of a sudden, everyone's interested because, well, the presidential nom uh, election's coming up. And, man, the, the sad state of affairs in American politics is that the president is, was never supposed to be a really powerful position. It, it was a figurehead. It was, you know, more symbolic than anything else. Like the commander in chief of the armed forces once Congress declares war, but all of the power to to regulate, to pass legislation, to control the the purse strings, that was all supposed to be in the House and the Senate. It, the president was not supposed to have any of the power that that it's usurped this day and age with these um you know we've talked about executive orders before all of the the overreach from the executive branch and the size and scope of the executive branch now 
like we t- we talked about Trump's executive order for the the COVID relief program, where he was just passing legislation by decree. That that's never what the presidency was supposed to be about, and it really is a shame that Congress has relinquished so much of their power to the presidency. And that's now what everybody cares about. Nobody get really cares about their local elections. And I'm guilty of this as well. Like I couldn't care any less about like local politics. I don't get involved in that. Like I, I pay attention to it probably more so than the average person. But, you know, I, I rarely talk about Chicago politics. I might rip on Lori Lightfoot here in a little bit just because I can't stand that woman. But, you know, in general, nobody cares about their local elections, which are the ones that have the most direct impact on their daily lives. And then more people care about electing somebody to the Senate or to the House than their local, you know, their really local elections. But really, the only thing anybody really gets excited about is the presidential election. And that's that really is a shame. This whole experiment in limited government has just completely been ripped to shreds and gone to shit. And that's one of the main themes of this show, for those of you uh, not familiar with what we uh, usually talk about. But we did just come off of a Labor Day, sort of a special episode that I'd never done before, which was an Ask Me Anything from the private Facebook group. And we've been getting some more people asking to join that, which I think all of you should get in there. There's been some some pretty good conversations going on. We got a meme thread in there, and I actually watched a, a video that somebody posts about masks, basically proving me right, which I love it when people do that. Not that I was ever doubting myself, but it turns out that I've been right all along on this whole mask fiasco. We might talk about that a little bit, but there's a lot of good uh, articles that people post in there, some interesting conversations. So if you're not part of the private Facebook group, you got to go find us on there, Peddling Fiction Podcast, private Facebook group, sign up, join in, start participating, and you can be heard in the next Ask Me Anything podcast. I don't know when that will be, but, you know, I had a good time doing that. I got some pretty good feedback on the episode overall, so I think we will be doing that again. Other than that, not a whole lot really going on the last couple of days. We did have this, um, you know, this Bob Woodward book that's coming out with with Donald Trump interviews, and that's really what's captured the media's attention. I'll probably talk a little bit about that. I haven't, haven't read the book or anything like that, but I know that it's trending on Twitter, you know, Trump lied and people died and a bunch of crap like that. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Some other, you know, there's we have an update on the salon owner who had Nancy Pelosi in her shop without a mask on. And I haven't talked about that yet. And I pulled a couple of other articles that I thought were kind of interesting to go through today. But it's been, in my mind, sort of a slow news week the last couple of days nothing nothing really major happened but but I have seen a lot of the a lot of pictures and video footage from out west where they've been having these crazy wildfires and man is that eerie everything's like orange or bright red it looks like mars or something i don't really have much to say about that except that i think that the really big one was uh, started by one of these retarded uh, gender reveal parties that all these fucking idiots have been having and that I just can't imagine being that big of a loser, that self-absorbed. You're going to have a gender reveal party 
and you're going to have like all of this pomp and circumstance and blow shit up. And these things, there's tons of videos of all these idiots where these, these things just go totally awry and people end up getting like severely hurt or they start a massive forest fire that can't be controlled. And I just, there is no goddamn way if I were to ever get married and have kids, which by the way, uh, for those of you out there interested, I am the last male profita in my bloodline. So there has been a lot of pressure on me to carry on the family name with a boy. But uh, I'm still practicing on that. Still practicing. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons why I was looking forward to going to Italy back earlier this year. I was going to go find my bride and uh, keep the keep the Italian blood flowing strong through the profitas and carry on that name. But I guess that'll have to be put on hold. But there is no goddamn way. I would ever have a gender reveal party for my kid. There, there's just no chance in hell. And I would probably divorce my, my wife if she w- were to flirt with the idea. Like I just there, there's no way I would marry somebody that would want to do something like that. It is the um, epitome of everything that I hate about people would be a gender reveal party. Just have your goddamn baby. Give it a normal name. None of these retarded fucking names that people are coming up with. Just give it a normal name. Your firstborn son, you name that after your old man. That's the tradition. You have a girl, I don't know. Give it a normal name. Like, stop trying to be, like, creative and, and, you know, different. You're not. You're not being different. It's so cliche, and it's just nobody likes that. Nobody likes that, and you should be embarrassed. If you have to give them some retarded name, make it their middle name, okay? Just give them a bizarre middle name. And if they like it, they can end up going out with that or whatever, going by that. But don't give them a weird first name. Give them a normal name with a normal spelling. Stop trying to do, you know, my name is Ashley, but I spell it like a-S-H-L-E-I-E-I-Y or something, or Ashley with two two S's and two Y's. Just just spell it normally. Why torture your kid the rest of their life? Their entire life, they're going to have to go around correcting people on how to pronounce their name and how to spell it. Just make it a normal name. Spell it normally. Don't like stick an extra I in there or something, some other stupid idea that you think is cute. It's not. It's stupid. It's obnoxious. I'm surprised that's not becoming like a a whole cultural appropriation thing because usually it was black people that gave their their kids just crazy names. Now now the all the the hippies and and these like woke white people are coming up with ridiculous names. So I guess I guess hippies would always come up with some stupid flower child name. I don't know. Bottom line is I just hate everybody. (laughs) All you people out there with your stupid names and your gender reveal parties. Just shut up already. Stop having these stupid things. There, Nobody cares. Nobody really cares that much. It's like it goes back to the whole. Um, I don't know if anybody has gone back and listened to my rant about marathons. All, all these people that drag their friends out to the marathons to go watch them run really slowly in a circle. Nobody gives a shit. OK, nobody cares that much about your gender reveal party. Just, you know, let them know it's a boy or it's a girl or yeah, can we even have these things now with the gender 
uh, I don't know, being fluid or whatever, how many genders there are now? What, what kind of gender reveal do you have for like some some one of these like fluid people? Maybe that will be the only good thing to come out of that whole gender studies wokeism is that it, it won't be socially acceptable to have gender reveal parties anymore because it's offensive to the non-cisgendered whatever Zs and Zers are out there. Maybe why don't they throw a fit about that so at least we can uh, stop all of this gender revealed nonsense? I feel similar to baby showers, but you know if women want to do that, that's fine. The the husbands and the guys that go to the baby shower, Jesus Christ, dude, what <laughs> what is wrong with you? Where are your balls? Where are your balls? Go play golf. Go do something else. You should not be at your wife's baby shower. Okay, it's not for men. God. Damn, I just, there's all this talk about like toxic masculinity. I don't see it. I don't see masculinity anywhere anymore. We are a goddamn dying breed. I think I'm one of the last masculine men on the face of the fucking earth from all I can tell. That combined with me being the last male profita, man, you guys are, <laughs> once I'm gone, man, you guys are really going to be in trouble. Uh, the men are dying off by the, the thousands. Man, what you're going to be left with. And there's no way, there is just no goddamn way that women want these effeminate fucking social justice warrior feminist men, men that claim to be feminist or whatever. And I know they're just doing that because it's their only options, their only angle to try to get laid. There's just no way that women want that in a man. I just, it's impossible. It's definitely impossible. Anyway, I have no idea what set me off on that little tangent. I did not plan on talking about, oh, because of the fires. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all of these fires are apparently, you know, the, the left wasted no time coming out and blaming climate change for all of these forest fires that are raging. I saw a tweet from Gavin Newsom. Like, the numbers are way up. I, I, I've seen a couple different articles that have talked about how the, the amount of fire damage so far this this far into the season is more than the entire um, season last year or something like that. Look, not only was a lot of that apparently caused by some idiot doing a gender reveal party, but this is another issue. Forget about climate change, okay? Um, this is about this is so much more about private property in my opinion than anything else. Because who owns all of this forestry? Who owns all of this land that's being burned down? And who's maintaining it? Because one of the things that really contributes to the spread of these fires is, at least I think, is, and believe me, I'm no, I'm no expert on this, but it's not going to stop me from talking about it. <laughs> it's never stopped me before. So, but, you know, it's all the, you know, the, the branches and the leaves that, that fall to the ground that get, you know, knocked down and then they die on the ground, they get brittle and then it gets hot and then they catch fire and then it, it spreads a lot easier because nobody's maintaining these lands. Why isn't anybody maintaining these lands? Well, because nobody owns them. The government owns them. Surprise, surprise, despite, you know, all of the the departments and the, the bureaucracies and the, you know, wildlife uh, conserv conservatories and, and fish and whatever, EPA, all of, the, all of these organizations within the government that are responsible, allegedly, for maintaining these government lands, they fail miserably. If this land was in private hands, and I talked a little bit about this on the last episode because we had a really good question about how 
um, in a, like an ANCAP society that you would you would go about seeking a redress of grievances or something like that if somebody were to pollute your your land, your water, or something like that. If this land was privately owned, not only would the property owner have a really really strong incentive to make sure that they minimize the chances of a forest fire catching and spreading, especially to other people's land, then they would be responsible for that as well. You'd have the insurance companies involved. Again, these lands would be insured and the insurance company would have an incentive to make sure that you as the property owner are taking the proper precautions to make sure that, you know, you're not um, doing anything that could enhance the chances of a forest fire catching. And obviously, you know, these things are going to happen, but I'm sure there are preventative measures that could be taken that the government is not taking because it's the government and they're incompetent and they screw up everything that they touch. So if if this land was all privately owned, I think we would have these fires under control a lot quicker uh, and they wouldn't be raging as often as they are. Like, I don't know how many of our listeners live in an urban area or a rural area that we where you have a lot of land. But I, when I worked in a, a paint store in Virginia back in college, my boss had several acres of land. And I know for a fact that he would go through inch by inch and he would be trimming back, you know, bushes, cutting out dead, dead wood and things like that, clearing out all the shrubbery and having controlled burns in his backyard to prevent things like this from happening. He did it regularly. It was like, a, I, I don't know how often he did it, but I know that he did it because he'd talk about it. And I went to his place one time for uh, some, he had me over for some sort of party or whatever. And he had a big pile of stuff that he was going to burn. All, all the stuff that he cleared out from his acres and acres of land that he was getting rid of specifically to prevent a a much bigger uncontrollable fire from taking place. That's how things work on private property when you have a vested interest in it. Anyway, I don't know. That would be an interesting experiment to run in like an alternate universe. I don't know if we'll ever get to that point, unfortunately, but until then, it looks like the entire West Coast is just going to be this orange, red, like weird planet now that literally it, it looks like hell. It looks like hell on Earth. It's hot. It, they just had like a, a, a heat wave. You know, they got rolling blackouts. Everything's on fire. And at night, it's like the, the entire sky lights up red and it's like orange and red and it's really eerie. I kind of want to go out there and see it, but um, I will not be doing that. I'm going to head south of the border, I think, as early as this time next week. I might be back in PV. Hopefully my tan will hold up before then. It's it's starting to fade pretty quickly. The weather here in Chicago has not been great. We are, It looks like we're headed into fall already. We're about, you know, not even quite halfway through September, but it's been 60s and rainy for the last, I don't know, three, four days. It looks like it's going to continue into the weekend and then it's going to be in the 70s and sunny for a few days. And I don't know. I don't know after that. I'll I'll probably be gone. But it looks like we are almost full tilt boogie into the pumpkin spice bullshit season where the, uh, the, the chicks start dressing up like Han Solo and, and everything comes with a pumpkin spiced flavoring. Man, I can't wait to not be here for that. I don't think they have that shit in Mexico. I don't, I don't think they pumpkin spice anything. And, and certainly nobody's wearing the blue jeans with boots up to their knees or whatever. And, and a vest. They'll be in a, a bikini, hopefully a thong or something like that. And yeah, it's just going to be a much better place to be. But anyway... 
Let's take a quick second and thank our other sponsor for today's show, and that is Photo IQ, a digital photography online course where photography is explained simply, concisely, with no overcomplications. There are lessons for the beginner to the intermediate photographer for anyone who's 13 or older, and they offer semester-length courses for homeschoolers by a homeschooler who really knows how to handle the challenges that come along with that. It's the only photography class of its kind. You can, um, you'll get graded quizzes, you'll get personal feedback, you'll get homework assignments, it'll help you build your portfolio. It's going to be the most in-depth course you've taken, short of like a, a upper graduate level photography course or something like that. Anything in high school or freshman year of college, this is going to blow that out of the water. So make sure you, if you have any interest in photography whatsoever, you know, most of you should, especially if you have your own business or you want to get uh, your online business started. You want to get your presence online known, you got to go to photoiq.co and use promo code FICTION. He's already giving you 20% off for the rest of this month. FICTION, the promo code, will get you another 10% off on top of that. So 30% off altogether as long as you buy before October 1st. You can take the classes anytime you want, and there's a 30-day money-back guarantee there's no subscriptions, there's no ads, there's no nothing. You have nothing to lose except those pathetic pictures of landscapes that you've been trying to take. So go to photoiq.co and use promo code FICTION to get 30% off and get your online photography portfolio up and running. All right, let's uh, let's get into it today. President Donald Trump has been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize by Christian Tybring Jed. I don't know how to pronounce it, G-J-E-D-D-E, a member of the Norwegian parliament, according to a Fox News exclusive. For his merit, I think he's done more trying to create peace between nations than most other Peace Prize nominees, Tybring said, who is also the chairman of the Norwegian delegation to the NATO parliamentary assembly. In his nomination letter, Tybring said Trump's leadership has led to a historic deal between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. The two countries agreed to normalize diplomatic ties on August 13th, an accord brokered as part of the Trump administration's plan for Middle East peace. (laughs) I'll believe that when I see it. Israel and the United Arab Emirates are expected to sign a formal deal on September 15th. Oh, that's my sister's birthday. At the White House, announced Tuesday. As it is expected, other Middle Eastern countries will follow in the footsteps of the UAE. This agreement could be a game changer that will turn the Middle East into a region of cooperation and prosperity, Tavern wrote to the Nobel Committee. He also cited Trump's key role in facilitating contact between conflicting parties and creating new dynamics and other protracted conflicts such as the Kashmir border dispute between India and Pakistan and the conflict between North and South Korea, as well as dealing with the nuclear capabilities of North Korea. Tybring added praise of Trump's effort to avoid costly wars and to end endless wars, writing, Indeed, Trump has broken a 39-year-old streak of American presidents either starting a war or bringing the United States into an internationally armed conflict. The last president to avoid doing so was Peace Prize laureate Jimmy Carter. Oh, and they have a nice little list of the last uh, six presidents and their wars. Let's see. We have the, uh, so Ronald Reagan, you had the Gulf of Sidra encounter, multinational intervention in Lebanon from uh, 82 to 84, the invasion of Granada, 
action of the Gulf of Sidra in 86, I think that is, bombing of Libya, the Tanger War, Tobruk encounter, then you had invasion of Panama in 89 to 90 with George H.W. Bush, the Gulf War in 1990 to 91, you had uh, Iraqi no-fly zone enforcement operations, the first U.S. intervention into the... uh, Somali Civil War, then you had the Bosnian War in 92 to 95. Bill Clinton had intervention into Haiti, Kosovo, Operation Infinite Reach in 1998. And then, of course, George W. Bush, you had the war in Afghanistan, which is still going on to this day, 2001 to the present. Um, The 2003 invasion of Iraq, we had the Iraq War which uh, went from 2003 to 2011, apparently. War in Northwest Pakistan, the second U.S. intervention into the Somali Civil War, which is still going on. Barack Obama, looks like he has the most, as I alluded to earlier. Operation Ocean Shield, 2009 to 2016, international intervention into Libya, which completely destroyed that country. They have open-air sex trade and slave operations going on there uh, since 2011. Operation Observant Compass, 2011 to 2017. American-led intervention in Iraq, 2014 to the present. That would be Iraq War II, I guess. Uh, American-led intervention in Syria, which is still going on since 2014. The Yemen Civil War, which is 2015 to the present. And the American intervention into Libya, uh, 2015 to the present. And then, well... So Donald Trump hasn't started any new wars, which is nice, but he has continued all of the aforementioned ones that are still going on from George W. Bush and Barack Obama. Now, for me, that would kind of be a deal breaker as far as the Nobel Peace Prize goes. But he is he did just announce the other day that he's going to start withdrawing troops from Iraq and Afghanistan, I believe. Now, this is clearly just a ploy to give him a talking point that he's fulfilling his promise to get us out of these wars. Why he waited four years to do that is beyond me. I mean, like I said at the beginning of the show, the one thing that the president is supposed to be able to do is the is be the commander in chief of the armed forces. So the one thing that he could have done immediately with, you know, his phone and his pen would be to end these disastrous wars that would if he did that, I would give him a Nobel Peace Prize. But we've been waging them the entire time. You know, he avoided a, a lot of temptation, a lot of pressure to, to you know, to bomb the shit out of Syria and, and things like that a, a couple years ago, which is good. Peace in the Middle East. I mean, they've been talking about that my entire life. These are people, the Middle East, they, they've been fighting for like thousands of years, okay? And, you know, part of a, a lot of the, the conflict there now is the result of all of these politicians getting together and divvying up this land after World War Two and not understanding, you know, you know how the the different factions operate over there and, and who hates who and whatever. So, I mean, th- these people, they seem to be sworn enemies. I don't see how one of these deals, you know, if, if it gets signed or whatever, is ever going to actually be enforced or like come to fruition or anything like that. It's not something that I see happening. Sure, it's it, it's a good effort, I guess. But I wouldn't hold your breath for peace in the Middle East. That's um, that's something that you, you can't just declare it. You know, the people have to want it. And I don't know if everyone over there is ready to just accept it because well, we, we got some some deal signed between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. I don't know. 
it's definitely, you know, a, a step in the right direction, I suppose. But what's going to be really um, interesting to watch is the left's reaction to this. The left who's supposedly supposed to be the anti-war party who have become a, a bunch of neocons since Barack Obama took office and waged all of those wars that I went over. The anti-war left is pretty much non-existent these days. And now they're going to, since Donald Trump is doing this, they're going to have to come up with some sort of retarded line of reasoning as to why we can't pull out the troop. Like, remember when um, when he was pulling troops out of Syria and it was the Kurds, the Kurds. Oh, think of the Kurds, these poor Kurds. They're going to be slaughtered. They're going to be wiped off the face of the earth. And what happened? Uh, absolutely nothing. They, they struck a deal. They're fine. And you've never heard anything else about the Kurds ever since that one week of his, of media hysteria. But it really is unbelievable. He had some incredible... He had an incredible admission about the military the other day. And this is this is coming on the heels of that anonymously sourced report that where he didn't want to go visit the cemetery of all these World War One Marines from this this important battle, I guess. And he said uh, allegedly said that, why would I want to go to that cemetery? It's filled with losers and um, that they were suckers for getting killed. That got the left's uh, panties in a bunch. And a lot of libertarians, too, I saw coming out and being really outraged that he would say something like that. Uh, I mean, if he did, if he didn't, I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if he did, I guess. But I don't know. These anonymously sourced stories, it's like you can make up anything you want. I, I don't understand how, how anybody can just have uh, an anonymous, anonymously sourced thing and just and just put it out there and, and have it be a story. Like, how does that qualify as journalism? Oh, well, like somebody told me that uh, he said this. Uh, OK, but we all know that Donald Trump prefers his war heroes to not be the ones that got caught. Right. And I mean, there there is something, uh, unfortunately, I mean, you can't call them suckers and losers because for for dying in the war. Because, I mean, they were, we had the draft. They were conscripted. They were, they were enslaved to go die for their country, which is really the worst form of slavery that I could imagine. So in, in that regard, they aren't suckers. But, I mean, today's all-volunteer military, I would, unfortunately, I, I, I mean, th- these people, they have been suckered in to this, to this military-industrial complex, to this... Uh, this propaganda surrounding the U.S. military and, and they're fighting for our freedoms, you know, so they fight them over there so we don't have to fight them over here. All of these lies that they're told that, that, that get these poor, impressionably young kids into the into the military. And, you know, Trump's comments about how he said something along the lines of, you know, the, the troops love me. The, the military troops love me, but the, the generals and the, you know, those who who head the military industrial complex, they all hate me because they, you know, they want to fight these perpetual wars that get all of these companies that make the weapons very, very rich. And I mean, that's just undeniably true. I don't see how anybody could argue that that is I mean, you know, you know, there are all of these companies that make a shitload of money off of off of this um, all of this money that we spend on defense like we spend more on the uh, military than the next like 20 countries combined okay Lockheed Martin Boeing Northrop Grumman and and Raytheon those are I think the top four but it's like they get you know um, actually let me pull it up 
So Lockheed Martin got $47.2 billion, Boeing 29.1, Northrop Grumman 26.1, Raytheon 23.4. Now that is according to Wikipedia was the first thing that came up. I mean, you, you get the idea. I don't know how accurate those numbers are, but they're making a fortune off of these wars. This is all a racket, and these poor kids are being propagandized from the, the second they, they pledge allegiance to the flag that they have to go and, and defend their country from from all of these um, terrorists and you know that hate us for our freedoms over there. And that's why once these guys get over there and they see what's really going on and they see how this industrial complex actually works, most of them turn into libertarians. That's why Ron Paul got more support from active military than all the other Republican candidates combined, I think in 2012 or 2008. I forget, maybe both years. I forget what the actual stat is. But all of these guys, once they're over there, they realize that they've been lied to. And a lot of them come back very you know, weary of, of this, whole, this whole thing. It was an astounding. Um, it was an astounding admission that you would never hear from a president, the normal mainstream president like a Joe Biden or a George Bush or a Barack Obama. They all know this to be true, but they toe that party line. That's what the establishment is all about. Is is about not saying the things that Donald Trump says. He comes right out and tells you. That this whole thing, this whole military-industrial complex, this is all a racket to get people filthy fucking rich at the, at the expense of hundreds of thousands of lives overseas, thousands of lives of, of Americans, entire countries destroyed. And, you know, just so that, you know, their stock price goes up, they're, they're making billions, they're doing great. These are some some really evil people. And, of course, since it's Donald Trump coming out and saying this, you get the entire left-wing media, all of these people with their panties in a bunch, outraged that he would say such a thing. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. This is the height of irresponsibility, blah, 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 blah. These are supposed to be the anti-war faction in america okay them and the and the libertarians but i guess the the true libertarians we're, we're the only ones left we are the only ones that can see clearly through all this bullshit because the second that a donald trump gets in there and he espouses anything remotely close to being anti-war well then the the, the left gets all up in arms how, how you don't support the military you don't support all this intervention and you're a puppet of russia the only time i remember them praising donald trump for being presidential was when he launched those bombs at syria but he didn't hit anything he like purposely targeted like desert or some shit and they were just oh they were heaping praise over him for, for doing that. But he comes out and says, you know, oh, I'm not going to retaliate or I'm not going to I'm not going to start another war. Oh, now he's just the, he, he's the height of irresponsibility. And this is just unacceptable behavior. It, we really are just doomed as a nation with this two party system. I, I don't see how this could possibly work. I wish Donald Trump would have been staunchly anti-war and actually ended these these ridiculous conflicts that we're in. They're so horrible. <laughs> And inhumane. This is literally just murder on a massive scale. Yeah, we call it war. We call it foreign intervention or foreign policy. We're just slaughtering people left and right overseas for no goddamn reason other than, like he said, these companies are getting rich off of it. Uh, maybe we have some oil interests and a pipeline running up through Europe or something like that. You know, he, he could have, when he had all of the, the political capital early on, he could have gone out and done this. 
and he didn't. And now he's trying to at the last second. It's like when you're cramming for a test or something and the last or like right before the project is due, you're throwing all this shit together in your diorama or whatever. Like this is what he's doing. He's like, oh, yeah, I, I promise to do this. So I'm, I'm going to do that now. And just hastily throwing all this shit out there. It, it's just a goddamn shame. He could have actually done something to, to earn a Nobel Peace Prize. You know, it, it, he is at least um, he has expressed a discontent with the military industrial complex to his credit. And the problem is and that's why the establishment like establishment Republicans hate him. OK, establishment Democrats hate him because he's not going to play ball with them the way that a Joe Biden would or a George Bush would or like a Lindsey Graham, like Lindsey Graham, I think, set him up for that Bob Woodward interview, where, where which is like this, this whole book came out with all these revelations that Donald Trump knew how bad the coronavirus was and how deadly. And he he downplayed it and he lied to the American people. You know, Trump lied. People died. All of these politicians had their talking points going on on Twitter. And it's just so despicable as if uh, all these politicians don't lie for a fucking living. It, it's really unbelievable. Talk about like people in a glass house shouldn't throw stones. But man, it, it just it, it never ceases to amaze me that they'll just come out and talk about him lying like any president wouldn't have have come out and tried to downplay it to. You know, he, he's clearly t- talking about how he doesn't want to create a panic, right? Which even with him downplaying it, we were still having shortages at all the stores, weren't we? Nobody was getting toilet paper. All the shelves were cleaned out. And that's with him downplaying the, the severity of it, I guess. So w- w- what's he supposed to do? Come out and be like, oh, my God, it's the end of the world. This virus is going to kill us all. <laughs> like, what, what, what's the point of that? What's the point of that? Nobody's downplaying this. Nobody is downplaying this. Everybody is overblowing it. Everybody, this is so overblown. It's unbelievable. If you take a, a sober look at the numbers, as I've gone through many times on this show, it's still overblown. Even with him downplaying it, it was overblown. This is not, this is not affecting the vast majority of people. This is a concern for a, very, you know, a certain segment of the population, old people, underlying conditions, but it certainly does not warrant the reaction that we've had to it, shutting down the world for six months at a time. And when's it going to end? Like everybody's talking about how, you know, oh, we can't wait for 2020 to be over as if there's like something magical is going to happen from December 31st to January 1st, like January 1st, an arbitrary, just a line in the sand, totally arbitrary. Once the, we get to 2021, oh, all this stuff will be gone. We can take the masks off now. We don't have to worry about coronavirus, all this shit. Why? What makes you think that's going to magically change anything just because the year changes? Viruses don't care about the year. And I was I, I watched uh, about 40 minutes of this video. It was a really long video. I'll uh, maybe I'll I'll link to it on, on Twitter or something when I when I send out the show today. But it was basically um, a, a guy going through a bunch of studies about the mask use and how we basically we've gotten it completely wrong with the masks. So. In a nutshell, I'll summarize it because it is long and I know people have the attention span of a gnat. But basically, there's been a bunch of studies that have been conducted that have proven masks are very ineffective 
especially the way that we are using them. Okay. Now we have like the three types of masks. Okay. We have the, the surgical masks, which are the ones that I wear because they're the lightest and, and the cheapest or whatever. And then you have the cloth masks that most people have the ones that are really serious. They you know, they got the masks on. Some of them have designs on them or something written on them, something like that. And then you have the N95, the real serious one with the air filter on it. Okay. Now, the cloth mask has actually been proven in several studies to be not only um, ineffective, but actually actively harmful in, in spreading the virus. Okay. And the reason for that is it, it, the material that it's made out of traps moisture in it from your breath, right? We breathe out these these moisture droplets, and within those droplets, we have the bacteria and the virus and everything like that, okay? And the idea is that the mask is going to catch those droplets and keep them from spreading out into the open, yada, 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 right? Well, these cloth masks basically act as a Petri dish, okay? They get, they get moisture in them, which makes it easier to trap all this bacteria and shit that's floating around in the air and that's coming out of your mouth and it attracts other uh, moisture and bacteria to it, like a Petri dish, okay? So it's like you're walking around with a Petri dish on your face and then once that, um, that moisture evaporates, like the, the fibers, the, the woven texture of these masks, it's, it's tight enough to prevent some of the, the moisture droplets in your breath from spreading, but once that moisture evaporates, then you're just left with the bacteria and the viruses that were inside them, and those can pass through the mask like a, a fucking fly through a chain link fence. I think that was the analogy that they used. All right, so it was like it, they did a, a a study where they compared like in everyday usage with people the way that we've been wearing these masks the the cloth mask was like increased your chances of transmission by like 13 times what the other two masks did okay now they also found that the difference between the N95 the really serious mask that everybody you know who's like super into this takes versus the um surgical masks, they found the difference between those two to be negligible in terms of preventing the spread of of the virus. All right. And the problem with all of these masks, in particular, the the surgical masks and the um, cloth masks, is that when you breathe or when you cough or when you sneeze with the mask on, it's not like it's sealed all around your face, right? So it comes out. And if you've ever worn one of these masks with, with sunglasses, as I had to do in Mexico a lot, when you breathe, you can see that the air is coming up around your nose and it fogs up your glasses and stuff like that. So the all of the, you know, your breath with the bacteria and everything, it's coming out the sides, it's coming out the top, and it's actually going higher up into the air and giving that the giving that moisture more time to evaporate. And once that evaporates, then you just have the virus floating around in the air and it can pass through those masks very, very simply. Is this making sense to everybody? I'm I'm trying to explain it, you know. Break it down Barney style for everybody. So, you know, normally with without a mask, they and of course they had control groups and everything with, you know, people with no masks and they found like no negligible differences between people who didn't wear a mask or wore masks some of the time, but not all the time. And people that wore the, the surgical mask or the N95 mask, there was no conclusive evidence that proved that these masks worn the way that we're wearing them actually do anything to to really prevent the spread of these uh, of these communicable diseases or viruses or whatever 
and the cloth one actually increases your chances of, of an infection. You know, a lot of times if you were to sneeze or something like that, like into your arm or whatever, instead of with the mask on, you you'd sneeze like toward the ground and then those droplets head toward the ground and maybe they hit the ground before they evaporate. With the mask on, they spray out every different direction higher up into the air and then it gives it more time to evaporate and then it's floating around in the air and it can pass through anybody's mask or catch on to that Petri dish of a cloth thing that you've been wearing. There, there's a bunch of other stuff that they went into, but the, all of these studies that you've seen that have been cited that they'll stop like 75% of the transmission of diseases or something like that, They one of the studies they used fucking hamsters, okay? They used uh, two hamsters that were in separate cages, and they put like a glory hole between the cages. And they had one without, uh, they had one with just the glory hole. And then they had one where the glory hole was covered with a mask. And that's how they're, they're comparing. That's how they're saying that the, the mask stops 75% of transmission or whatever the, the number was. Like they're not honestly studying these masks the way that they've been using them the way that we've been using them in everyday life and how I've been talking about the way that we've been using them is not the way you're supposed to be using masks. I mean, it it really is. You guys have no idea just how frustrating it is to just be right about everything all the time and nobody listens to you. Nobody wants to hear it. I mean, there's just no chance that any of this research is ever going to make it into the mainstream. Nobody is going to give up on this whole mask thing. They even did um, studies with actual surgeons and the and, and transmission of infection when when surgeries are going on when uh, when uh, surgeons are wearing masks and not wearing masks and even then they couldn't prove that the mask had any effect any meaningful effect on the the transmission of um infection when you have like open wounds and people are breathing into it it seemed a lot more like well we've been wearing masks for like 150 years or something and we're just going to continue to do it because that's the way we've always done it and nobody's really questioning these things and then they there's also studies that they've done that prove that you know breathing through these masks causes like harmful things to your body it's something with like co2 levels and everything i don't want to get into the the whole thing but there are like minor detrimental effects to wearing these masks all the time. And I think for as long as like as little time as like 15 minutes, they, they can do detrimental things to your your lungs and your, your other organs and things like that. Nothing that's going to you know kill you or whatever, but um, things that are not necessarily good. They're putting further strain on your body than is necessary. So anyway, I will definitely link to that somewhere. I, I don't know how I'm going to do it yet, but maybe when I tweet out the the show or something, if you guys have any interest in that, it was also posted. I, I, I forget who posted it to the private Facebook group, but thank you for doing that because it was very interesting. Definitely flies in the face of all this mask hysteria that I've been railing against. So, but it's not just like, we don't even have to just rely on those studies. We have, there are countries like, um, that I've talked about, like Sweden, that never had a lockdown. They never had a mask mandate. And they're like, it sounds like they're pretty close to declaring victory over coronavirus. Now I know how risky that is to declare mission accomplished. We all know that since uh, George W. Bush uh, declared mission accomplished. Sweden, I have an article here, as the rest of Europe and the world remains under the grip of draconian rules and the threat of new lockdowns, Sweden, which allowed its citizens to remain free throughout the entire pandemic and pretty much declared victory, has pretty much declared victory over the coronavirus. The country now has one of the lowest infection rates on the planet 
and it's difficult not to admire how it has handled the past year. With no strict lockdown or compulsory face mask rules, all businesses, schools, and public places remained open in Sweden for the duration. Sweden has gone from being the country with the most infections in Europe to one of the safest ones. To the safest one. Sweden's senior epidemiologist Dr. Anders Tegnell commented in the Italian newspaper, What we see now is that the sustainable policy might be slower in getting results, but it will get results eventually. And then we also hope that results will be more stable, he added. Tegnell previously warned that encouraging people to wear face masks is very dangerous because it gives a false sense of security, but does not effectively stem the spread of the virus. The findings that have been produced through face masks are astonishingly weak, even though so many people around the world wear them. Last week, the European Center for Disease Prevention and Control confirmed Sweden dropped in an infection rate with only 12 cases per million, compared to 18 in neighboring Denmark and 14 in nearby Norway. At the peak of the Sweden outbreak, it was seeing 108 new infections per million people as it pursued herd immunity strategy. The figures also show that out of 2,500 randomly selected and tested people in Sweden, none tested positive compared to 0.9% positive in April and 0.3% in May. We interpret this as meaning there is not currently a widespread infection among people who do not have symptoms. When compared to the rest of Europe, Sweden's death rate sits somewhere in the middle However, officials are confident that playing the long game will improve these numbers drastically. And one of the reasons why they've um, their numbers were so high initially, their death numbers and everything, is they were almost all, from what I understand, um, deaths in nursing homes. So, you know, the, they, they got infections in nursing homes and that spread like wildfire, just like it did in New York. And it was killing. That's where the vast majority of their deaths were, which should not surprise anybody. So just a little, some more evidence that, you know, maybe we, we've gone a little nuts with this whole thing. And I will just I'll just pose the question again. All of you um, pro mask people out there, everybody who's pro virus, you know, when are you going to stop wearing the mask? Just tell me when. Tell me when you're going to stop wearing the mask when we get a vaccine. If that ever happens, when Fauci comes out and says you don't have to wear it anymore. And w- what's his criteria going to be for that? Are you going to wear it in perpetuity? Is this this what we're going to do for the rest of our lives? Something to think about. Something to think about. Because, you know, clearly the people who rule over us, all of these politicians, they don't even believe all of these in, in all these rules and regulations that they're passing, all of these mandates. We had the salon owner and I'll, I'll wrap the show up on this final thought, I guess. But for those of you, I can't believe anybody has not heard this story yet yet because it's at least a week old I think I just didn't have time to get into it in the other episodes but there was this salon owner in San Francisco who released footage of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi getting her hair done inside the salon without a mask okay and Nancy Pelosi being the hypocritical politician that she is she's called for mask mandates on the house floor she's required all members and staff to wear masks everywhere she wanted us the cdc to mandate masks everywhere all time like no matter where you go you have to wear a mask national face mask mandate is long overdue says nancy pelosi oh she's been out there railing against people that don't wear masks since as long as i can remember and here she is caught on tape inside without a mask getting her hair done when nobody else can do that right nobody else is none of us are allowed to go to a hair salon let alone open up our open up a hair salon 
that we already had and have customers in there, even with masks, all these people are being forced to shut down their businesses. And of course, Nancy Pelosi being above the law, being I've talked about how there there are those that rule and there are those that are ruled. Well, look in the mirror. You're you're one of the ones that are being ruled. And Nancy Pelosi, the rules don't apply to her. None of these rules that that Congress passes, they don't have to live by any of them. Okay, this is the perfect example of the disconnect between politicians and the and the regular citizens that must fall in line with their decree. All right. And this salon owner who I I believe is closing up her shop now, she's been getting uh, death threats Email, you know, people have been. Uh, I, I think they were protesting out in front of her shop. Like she's closing up shop and she's leaving. There is a GoFundMe campaign for her, and she's raised um, as of let's see, as of two days ago, she was at three hundred and ten thousand on GoFundMe. Pelosi, of course, came out after this made national news, and rightfully got everybody up in arms over this because the the hypocrisy is just on full display. She she claimed that it was a setup to, to it was a sting that they put out to uh, to catch her to get her caught up like this is just so ridiculous she can't even own up to the fact that yeah you know uh, I didn't put my mask on she has to go out and blame somebody else blame a setup she even had the nerve to trash the salon on national TV and claiming that she deserved an apology for the video being released I mean the nerve of these people this is unbelievable. Nancy Pelosi, my wife, in the uh, hypothetical Mary fuck kill scenario I had to deal with on Monday's show. Man, I can't believe my wife would go to such lengths. She's just a horrible person, and this is this is at the crux of the matter. Okay, these people rule over us. They don't give a shit about you. I don't care what they say. Look at what they do. Look at how they act. And it's one of the worst side effects of democracy and all of this bullshit propaganda that these these politicians they represent us and and they you know this is a government of the people by the people and they're just public servants public servants get the hell out of here this is all ridiculous they are our rulers they get to live by a separate set of rules and all this democracy shit has people praising politicians the politicians of their own party that is if you're if you're on team red you praise them if you're on team blue you praise them you know i I don't normally talk about local politics on the show because i don't have i don't think i have that many listeners in, in chicago who really care but Lori lightfoot was another perfect example of this She's been siding with these protesters all along and praising Black Lives Matter, the rioting, the looting. She's fine with that. She was fine to let that go on. She's shutting down beaches, of course, and people that are just, you know, having a a party at their house of like more than six people. That's illegal. She'll clamp down. She'll send the SWAT team in on you for that. But if you want to go trash downtown, destroy people's businesses, burn the city to the ground, that's fine. She's perfectly okay with that until... Until, of course, that the protesters come to her street and they're going to knock down her house, burn that thing to the ground. Then, of course, oh, no, 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 we can't have that. You're not allowed to riot and loot here. This is my street. This is my house. I have a right to protect my property. You see, it's fine. It's fine for them as long as you're the one that's being hurt. It's fine for them to demand that you wear the mask, that you bend the knee, 
that you sit by and watch your business being burned to the ground. If you try to defend it, they'll prosecute you to the full extent of the law. They'll, they'll take away your guns. They'll throw you in a cage. Okay, the you know that guy Kyle uh, Rittenhouse or whatever he's still you know he's still in prison for what I from what I understand the guy who um, who tried to shoot him with a gun or he, he you know he's out he's still protesting or whatever uh, the, the couple that defended their house in Missouri they're in a shitload of trouble now none of these you know these rioters these protesters they're being bailed out by the Kamala Harris's of the world and all of these uh, Hollywood celebrities and whatnot it, it's fine. As long as you're the one suffering and they get they get none of the uh, none of the blowback, they don't give a shit. They don't care about you. They'll claim to care about you, but look at their actions. Look at what they do, not what they say. Lori Lightfoot the, has the right to defend her property. She gets to call in the militarized police force to defend her street. What about your street? You don't get to do that. You don't have that same right, according to her. The rules don't apply to you, just to the elite just to your rulers. And all of this democracy shit has people praising politicians of their party when really we should be resenting these people with every fiber of our being. If you're a Democrat, the way that you feel about Republicans is the way that you should feel about all politicians. And if you're a Republican, vice versa. The way you feel about Nancy Pelosi, the way you feel about Democrats in general, should be the way that you feel about all politicians. Right, left, center, whatever. Fuck these people. Fuck them. And all of these rioters and looters who think you're protesting Trump or you're protesting the police, you're not. All you're doing is assaulting innocent people, destroying their livelihood, destroying their businesses, and they did nothing to you. These are innocent people that have done nothing. They have done nothing. Go riot and loot a politician if you must, okay? And not the Rand Pauls of the world, the one, the, the one good politician that we have. Just go attack a government building. They are the ones oppressing you. They are the rulers that are ruling over you. And if you ever want to affect change, you have to put the fear of God into the Nancy Pelosi's of the world because it's clear that they don't give a shit. They're not afraid of you. They don't work for you, okay? That, that's, that, that's all just a bunch of nonsense. They're in it for themselves. They get to live by a different standard of rules. The rules don't apply to them. They get to come up with all sorts of things that you have to do. All the hoops and regulations and laws that you have to abide by, they get a pass on that. You got to wear a mask. They don't have to. There'll be no repercussions for this for Nancy Pelosi. She'll get to skate on that. You know, this will blow over in a couple of days. And we'll be on to the next the next story. So we have to put the, the fear of God back in politicians. And I don't know exactly how to do that. I'm not advocating attacking a politician. But maybe maybe it's just a matter of moving out of their district. Get the hell out of their district and get into a district where you have a you have a politician that's going to respect your rights and and defend your rights as as an individual. And, and let these let these cesspools that the Nancy Pelosi's of the world are ruling over, let them collapse into themselves as they, they already are. I mean, like I said, the, the whole West Coast is, is just, it's on fire literally and figuratively. If you're an earner, if you're you know, a business owner, you got to get out of there. You got to pick up and leave. Take, take your business and yourself to somewhere where you will be appreciated 
for who you are and not chastised by those that are ruling over you. And I'm going to wrap there, guys. Thank you so very much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, do me a favor and give me a five-star rating and review on iTunes and share the show with somebody that you know, either the full episode or we've been putting out a lot of YouTube clips that are shorter and and shareable. Let's get some more people interested in this this show and, and get this message out to more people. Follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. Don't forget to support our sponsors and if you can't support our sponsors you can donate to the show directly by going to peddlingfictionpodcast.com it is your donations and and your contributions that make this show possible and my promise to you is that i use every dollar that comes in goes right back into the show to create content and increase our reach. Like I talked about on the last episode, I have some pretty lofty goals for the show this year. And now is the time that I really want to kick it into hyper gear. Right before the election, I think there's a lot of potential listeners out there that we need to get in touch with. So let's uh, let's try to get this thing to go gangbusters in the next couple of months. And if you guys can do all that for me, I will be back on Monday with a brand new episode for you. Until then, you guys know what to do. Just keep on pedaling that so-called fiction. Peace.